Welcome to Chi Alpha at Longwood and Hampton Sydney College. This podcast is a collection of messages and teachings designed to help you grow in your relationship with God and become the best version of yourself so that you can fulfill all that God has for you. We hope that you enjoy. So, okay. So we're going to get into Nehemiah. We're talking about prayer and abiding. Abiding is a big word that is honestly used for rooted. It's used for, um, do you guys want me to back up? Because I keep turning. What do you guys think? You want me to back up? It doesn't matter. You're fine. It doesn't matter. All right. So abiding is a, is a word that we're using about being with God. And it's a word that they use that we used last week. We unpacked it when it came to being rooted in God. When you are abiding in God, you're getting all your nourishment from him so that your fruit ends up coming from your root because that's how it works. So many of us just want to take care of our fruit, but it all comes from the root, right? So last week we talked a lot about that. Did you enjoy last week? I did. And so this week, we're going to do another, uh, another series on abiding, another sermon on abiding. But this is basically out of Nehemiah. It is out of Nehemiah. So Nehemiah is an Old Testament man, meaning it's before Jesus came on the earth, okay? So it was a story that is honestly a precursor and build up. And he did things not knowing that actually paved the way for the Messiah, who is Jesus. And he had no idea. Okay, so this is really important stuff that we get to read it because how many of you love reading a book and you know more information and you get to see how they're walking out? They, they really walk this out. It's a great story. So let's pray. Father, we ask that you would speak through me, that you would speak to us. And we ask God that we would receive, God, all that you have for us tonight in Jesus' name, that we would not be, God, people that are just hearers only, but we would be doers of your word in Jesus' name. Okay, I'm going to ask, Jordan, can you pick up? whichever Jordan jumps there, that Jordan jumped. Okay. So can you just pull it closer to me so I can just have a little bit better view? Cause it's, I don't want to get seasick. I keep turning on you. I'll thank you. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk through this. If you got notes, then you know that Nehemiah is, was a, a Jewish layman, meaning he wasn't like a special guy. He wasn't this priest. He wasn't this king. He was um, a man that um, stayed. He was a Jew. He was not raised in Israel because they had been captives, but during his time alive, a promise had been fulfilled and all of these Israelites, the Jewish people got to go back to Judah. Okay. They got to go back to Jerusalem, but he stayed because he had a very important role. Even though he wasn't a part of this kingdom per se, he wasn't a member of this. He was seen as someone who was important. He was trustworthy and he was a cupbearer. Now to you and I, you're thinking, well, that's kind of cheesy because we call that a water boy, right? Well, that's not what this was. Back then, people who wanted to kill the king would devise all kinds of ways, and it was often through food or drink. So it wasn't uncommon for somebody to eat something or drink something because they couldn't trace it back. The cupbearer was put because he was the one who would actually taste the things that, that, the, the, um, that the king would drink, and he would put his life on the line, but he had to be so pure that the king would drink after him. It was very important, and he not only had to be in front of him, but he was expected to keep the king kind of in a good mood. He wasn't like a, a jokester. He was, had to be very calm, and he was inside lots of conversation. 
So I don't know about you, but when you are inside lots of high intelligent conversation, you have to be trustworthy. You have to be calm and you have to be cool. So he was a trustworthy man. And they also didn't always have a long life. A cupbearer didn't always have a long life because let's say something happened. They were the first ones to be killed, okay? Not only if they drank something, but then if something were to happen, the king could just be in a bad mood and he could just kill him. So this was not a Jewish king. This was not a Christian king. He was just an ungodly king, all right? He wasn't a horrible guy. There were a lot worse, okay? But I want to give you this little thing. I I looked him up, and he's real. He was really, it was really happening. King Artaxerxes, great name. He was surnamed in Greek. I didn't put out that name, but it actually means his surname was a Greek word that meant longhand, in, in, in Latin, longamanus, I'm going to say that for my Latin people, a younger son of Xerxes. Uh, does anybody remember Xerxes, King Xerxes from, anybody remember? Queen Esther, okay? Um, so this is his son, okay? And Amistrius, which I guess was the queen before Esther. And he, I don't know that for sure, but I think that he was raised in the, in, to the throne by the commander of the guard, Artabanus, who had murdered Xerxes. So who murdered um, this guy's dad? Right, right, Artabanus. So Artabanus, Artabanus, or whatever. So he murdered his dad and put him on the throne. It was a plan. As crazy as that is, you read about these kingdoms. It was not uncommon for brother to kill brother, or a king, to, if he felt intimidated by a son, he would kill a son because he didn't want to get at the throne. So this wasn't uncommon, but what happened is he got, his dad was murdered, then he was placed by this commander to put on the king onto the throne, and then... History tells us that a few months later, King Artaxerxes slew Artabanus, the head of the, that basically that military, in a hand-to-hand fight. He just took him out. Not with, this, not with telling somebody to kill him. He just attacked him and took this guy out. So when you read these stories and you talk about someone who's a cupbearer, you're, you're in these things. You don't know what's going to happen. And so this wasn't like an easy thing. Maybe some days it was, but they were often hot-tempered and they were quick to take people out, okay? So um, we're going to get into Nehemiah 1, 2 through 4, okay? So Hanani, which you don't need to know his name, is one of Nehemiah's brothers. So there's two main characters, Nehemiah and Artaxerxes. Okay, so Nehemiah, one of um, Nehemiah's brothers, comes to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. So this is Nehemiah talking. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and how about things that were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. That's bad. You don't have a country. I've been to Israel. And let me just tell you, if you have a city, if you have anything, if there's no guard around there, if there's no gate around it, it would be attacked after attack. I mean, it was crazy. They told me how many times Jerusalem had been attacked. I couldn't believe it. I think it was like 67 times that it had been attacked. And that doesn't include how many times it had been burned down and it kept getting rebuilt. But they still have walls everywhere. 
There are walls everywhere, modern day walls, and they have literally enemies right on the other side. So to have, they didn't not have enemies, they had enemies. And so to live there, they lived in constant terror and they needed that wall of protection. So when Nehemiah heard this, it says, I sat down and wept. And in fact, for days I mourned, fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. The first point, pay attention to the pull. Pay attention to the pull. God often works through the heart being pulled. I don't think that if you were to have talked to Nehemiah right before that, he would have said, I'm going to cry today. I don't think he was a very emotional. He had to be a very calm person. But all of a sudden, he hears about what's happening in his homeland, where he wasn't even born, but it was his home. And all of a sudden, it's like he was pulled in the heart, and he was so grieved that he began to fast and pray, and he was mourning. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The what of your life? The course, that means, that, that's what? The path of your life. You have to guard your heart. I have to guard our, my heart because how your heart is pulled determines the course of your life because God leads us through being pulled. He leads us. So, so many times we're like, I don't want to get messed up. Can I just, I don't want to do this. I want to do that. Let me just tell you, God often leads us by pulling our heart. The Bible says that Jesus was led by compassion. Compassion is love coming out and pulling him to do things. He would literally be walking and all of a sudden he'd see something and he'd be like, I'm pulled to that. Pay attention to the pull. There's a reason for that. Pay attention to the pull. If our heart is not guarded, we listen to wrong pulls, and what happens? We fall into traps. How many of you have ever been there? If your heart is not guarded, you're going to fall into a trap. The rest of you didn't raise your hand. You're lying. We've all been falling in, right? And some of us, we go, I fell into that temptation. No, we walked into that. You walked into that temptation. You didn't just fall. You weren't just walking all of a sudden and just fell into a hole. No, you walked into it, right? Nehemiah had no idea. This is really important. Nehemiah had no idea that God was setting him up to fulfill prophecy and prepare his people for the coming Messiah. He was just burning in his heart to do something. We cannot see what we are doing now in the grand scheme of the eternal plan. You might think, well, I'm just, I'm just longing to play the piano. Eric's like, I'm just longing to, I'm longing to be in the presence of God. I'm longing to learn this. I'm longing. Let me just tell you, that's God. And when we lean into that and we let the Lord lead us through those pullings and we listen and we pray, let me tell you, things begin to line up and you'll have no idea who is going to be affected because you leaned into that pull. Amen. Our work is important. You have a work that's important. Nehemiah did not even understand why he was feeling these emotions. Can I tell you, there are wrong emotions because our hearts have not been guarded and we've been hurt and we've been burned, we've been bruised because we were someplace emotionally, we were someplace with our heart, we were never supposed to be. But we also are led by holy emotions, meaning God wants to lead us and compel us and draw us close to him. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm always led by him, but I will tell you, I feel like peace is an emotion, and the Bible says that we are led by what? His what? Peace. 
Tell me the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The fruits of the Holy Spirit are, if you don't know what this is, I totally get it. I didn't get saved till I was 18. If things that I'm talking about, you're like, Jenny, they sound great, but I don't really understand everything. Just keep coming, keep getting in your word, because I was just like you. How many of you remember the first time you came to Kyle and the first time you're just like, I, I don't really, I'm going there, I'm trying to understand. Okay, some of you, a couple of you, yes, I remember. Some of you are going, so I've never heard of God like this. A couple of you, who you don't have to raise your hand, but you were new last week, and you're like, I, I, I love how you guys talk about God. I remember having somebody that told me, and they didn't come back. Now, that, those people came back, but the first semester, I had some girls that came up to me, and they said, I've never heard God put so intimately. I've never heard someone talk about the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit. I've never heard a sermon on the Holy Spirit. I've been in church my whole life. And I said, really? And they said, I feel like he's really speaking to me for the first time. But guess what? They didn't come back. Why? Because God was too close to them. Can I just tell you, God is so close, and the more you get to know him, the more you come alive to your purpose. You don't have to worry about finding God, and he's going to wreck your plans. Any plans that he wrecks, he knows they would have wrecked you. And he's not looking at you, and he's not a, a, um, a joy basher. He's a joy giver. He's not ruining your plans. He's not looking at you if your girlfriend or boyfriend just broke up with you or somebody didn't look at you or you didn't get the class that you wanted or the degree or the, the grade. Let me just tell you, give it to God. There's nothing that you give him that he will not turn for your good. You will not have a less than life because somebody else didn't do what you thought they were going to do. God is your provider. Amen? Okay. So our work is important. Say, my work is important. And my life's work is not small or insignificant. I hope you believe that because you shouldn't say it like that. Let's say that again. I'm going to say it again. I want you to put your shoulders back and act like you mean it. If I were to have the president to walk in, and I know President Reevely, if you were to walk in, you wouldn't walk home to go, <laughs> I'd say, this is my friend. This is my friend Jack, who just walked out. I'd say, this is my friend Jack. And Jack would look at him, and I'd say, good to meet you. And you'd be able to have a conversation. I hope you know who you are in front of God. I hope that when I introduce you to someone, that you can put your shoulders back, not out of a cocky, yeah, you're glad, you're good, you're, you should be glad that you're meeting me. That's not how it works. But you know who you are in God, so that gives you a position in front of people. And you have to walk that way. Otherwise, if you don't believe you have a purpose and that the plan that God has for you is great, you're just going to walk with your head down and you're going to miss opportunities. You're never going to guard your heart. You know why most of you don't have your heart guarded? Because you don't know the significance of your heart to God. And you don't know the significance of your heart to your future. You somehow think that I can just guard myself. No, just like Nehemiah looked at and he heard about that wall, he knew if that wall is not protected, our people were just sent back after centuries of being away. If they're not there, I don't know if it was centuries, I shouldn't say that. I don't remember how far, how long it was because I didn't look at that up. But it was a long time because Nehemiah, who was a grown man, hadn't even been born, born there. So he'd never even lived there. So I don't know if it was 70 years. I don't remember how long it was. But can I just tell you, he, know, he knew to be guarded meant to be protected because they're important. 
Whatever lie you've believed that you're not important, if you don't believe you're important, you will not protect yourself. You'll fall for anything stupid. Someone will pull up their phone. Hey, you want to see this porn? You'll be like, well, yeah. But if, you're, if you literally know that you are a vessel of God, you're literally going to go, you're going to shut your eyes. And they're going to hold it in front of you like, no, I'm not looking, dude. No. No. Why? Because, because you're better? No, because you're weak and your calling is too great. If you guard your heart, you will find that the purposes of God and the pulling of God will become more frequent. When you don't guard your heart, you will never feel pulled because your heart is already going so many ways, you don't even know how to feel. Some of you, you've, you've had your heart broken, you don't even feel anymore. You've made such inferior choices that your heart isn't even whole. And God is saying, give it to me. Stop looking around for other things to fill you. Is this good? So I want you to say with me, my work is important. My life's work is not small or insignificant. Good, I'm glad you think so, because the second point is pray through the pulling. Pray through the pulling. That's important stuff. What happened? Hmm. That better. Oh, okay. All right. It just needed a nap. Okay. Now it's done. Oh, I can't do this. What are we going to do? I'm not. Okay. Huh? I'm just, if it happens again, go to that one. Okay. All right. I know I really don't need a mic, but he's, he was trying to record this. Bless his heart. Ricky works so hard, and I don't even think this is the mic for the recording. He's tried so hard. I don't know why. Okay, so number two, put, pray through the pulling. God uses abiding, which is prayer and time in the word, and small groups to filter our emotions. Now, I wanted to have a filter Okay, but he purifies our will in prayer. Now imagine that I have a filter right here. Okay, so I have a filter and it's like mesh. Let's say it's mesh. And I have something that's called gold that I want to keep. I want to hold on to. What I need is the residue and the junk. I need that gone. I literally do what? Do I just keep the gold and the dirt together? No, I do what? What do I do with the gold? I put what over it? Water. You pour it through the, you put water over it and you, and you let the water go over it and you filter it and you kind of shake it. And then the residue comes out and what's left is gold. You and I need a filter. And that filter is abiding. The Holy Spirit, can I just tell you, you can fool me, but you can't fool God. And sometimes you fooled yourself. Come on, right? Have you ever like thought you knew best and you're 100% real, like I know God and I know this and then something happens, you're like, dude, it didn't happen or whatever. We need the filter and that's through abiding with God in his word and in prayer on your own time, but then also in small groups and in Chi Alpha, coming to church, all of it matters. Because why? Someone will share something and it'll literally hit you and you'll be like, I never thought of that. I didn't think of it that way. How many of you have been around other people and they're just talking about their story and you're like, man, that's good. Okay. 
because we need to be around other people hearing stories, hearing about what God is doing, and not just our perspective, all right? So Nehemiah 1, 5 through 11, then I said, so this is what he does, okay? So he had prayed, he said, I had prayed, he said, I went and I prayed, right? And so this is good stuff. Number two, God uses that time. And then I said, O Lord, this is still in chapter one. The O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you, He's reminding God of his promises. He is not tattling. He's not telling God, you're bad. I'm good. Let me tell you. God doesn't mind. He actually wants us to remind him of his promises. That's called intercession. That's called praying. And it says, if you are faithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But If you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, which they had been, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. So he's reminding God, you did this. You promised this. We've walked in this. And he's saying the people you rescued, God, by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. I've underlined this. Can you read this? It says, please grant. Read this with me out loud. Please grant me success today. Please grant me success by making the the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. And then that was the quote. So he literally wrote down, this is the book of Nehemiah. And I believe he wrote this. And it says, in those days, he said, I was the king's cupbearer. Number three, prepare in the pause. He said, today, I'm going to go before the king and I want to, I'm going to be ready today. I just heard about this. My heart is breaking. They're telling me about this. I feel like it's now. Let me go, God. Can I just tell you that's when the pause began. You might think you're ready, but you need a pause. And why? Because you and I need to pray through. And we need to prepare in the pause. So we need to prepare. We want answers today. And he sees how long down the path we need. Often when the answer is not given today, it's because he is using the time in between for us to prepare. Say prepare. Nehemiah was emotional the first day he heard and he felt the call that day. He prayed, fasted, and prepared while waiting. But he also planned in the pause. And he became ready. The longer the pause, the more the preparation. Don't be lazy. Be diligent to seek him in prayer and preparation. Preparation begins with who? You. Look to your name and say, that's you. Preparation begins with you. We did a leadership, like a mini retreat with our our small group leaders. And so can I just tell you, this is a couple of the things that I, I spoke to them. You have to learn to lead yourself before leading others. So maybe I want to be a leader. I feel called. I'm going to change the world. You have to lead yourself before you can lead others. 
Begin with yourself. You are the only one who can decide to change you. How many of you would like to change some people? Right? I know I would. I'd be like, oh, Lord, can you let me just help you here? They're really annoying, God. Can I just help work this out, right? Begin with yourself. You are the only one who can decide to change you. Listen, this is my favorite quote. This is from John Maxwell. I should have put that up there. He, he is the one who gave this to me. He doesn't know me, but we're good friends. All right? No, I've never. You, this is good. You are the way you are because that's the way you want to be. Did, did you hear me? I, I heard a little bit of shouts, but that's a good straight, that's a good statement. And you know, so many of you are thinking, yeah, they're the way they are. No, 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 you. It's not they are the way they are. You and I, I am the way I am because that's the way I want to be. You and I, enough of the excuses in whatever pause, we're all in different pauses, be preparing. Be preparing. If you're not in that promise, if you're not in that place that you know, you be preparing. And we never, ever get to the next thing until we die. Because if we're in God, we always have vision for more. Right? Because we're on the earth, and while we're on the earth, we're about the Father's business. And he should be constantly pulling our hearts to do things. Things that we could never do on our own. If you can do everything that the pulling of your heart from the Lord is doing, you are thinking too small. The plans that God has for you are so big that you can't even fathom. And he wants to prepare you in this pause. If you really want to be different, you will be in the process of change right now. Say right now. Do the unseen. Remember the 80-20 rule I said to you? You will be, that, that 80-20 rule, that means that's 100% you, but only people are going to see 20% of it. You have to be willing to have 80% that is unseen. Do not do, if you want to have a, a life that 80% is seen, you will have a vacant, shallow life. You will be like those trees that don't have those deep roots. And let me tell you, we need deep roots to endure and to grow. If you weren't here last Tuesday, please look up The Breathing Forest. I'll, you can text me. I'll send you that video. And that's an example of what it is to have a shallow root. It looks great, but the reality is unless they are in the perfect climate, they're going to fall. And let me tell you, you're going to come to circumstances, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next year, but you're not going to have a perfect climate. But God is giving you roots now. Amen? So do the unseen, the 80-20 rule. If you are praying big prayers, you better be ready to be in preparation pause. Meaning this pause that you're in, get ready. It's a preparation time. It is vital. Jesus did 30 years unseen. Three years of Jesus's life was seen. We have 30 years of Jesus's life that we basically don't know anything of. And he's the son of the living God. And we have 30 years of his life, and it mattered. And it was all in preparation. If Jesus had to prepare 30 years for three years, I think you and I need to prepare. Amen? It's what you do in the years of preparation. 
So now we go to Nehemiah 2, 2 through 5. We know that Nehemiah was a praying man. He didn't just become a praying man. Now, can I just tell you, he had prayed the last prayer that we just read. He said, what did he say? He's praying and he said, today. I'm ready. Today. Then, if you read the whole chapter and you read the whole, understand it, and you look at it, this is actually four months later. Four months later, we're going to see what happens. So the king asked me four months later, why are you looking so sad? He's been fasting. He's praying. He's seeking the face of God. And he's been what? What's the other thing? The other P? He's what? Preparing. Right? He said, why are you so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. It was part of their job to never show emotion to the king because the king had enough going on. So to do that, to show that, Nehemiah had waited four months to show that. Then I was, what does he say? I was what? Terrified. So he ran away. No, he was terrified, but I replied, you are going to get to a place that even when you've prayed, even when you fasted and you get to that moment there, you had just said before today, I'm ready today. Then there's going to be the moment where that today happens and you are going to freak out. You're going to be terrified, but you go forward anyway. I just saw um, a video of a, a, a pastor, and he said he had two people in his church that called him, and they said, I need, a, I need this job, and I've been praying. It's like this perfect job for me. And, this, and he said he literally was in, two, in one week. He had two people say that he prayed for them. They both got the jobs. One would have included them moving away, and the other one was something else. And he's like, the next week, he's like, you got the job. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, but they both didn't take it not related. They don't even know what's going on. And he said, I am seeing in a season after COVID, people are choosing comfort and complacency all over the call of God. He said, we cannot. Now I literally was sent this little video. I'm sent a lot of videos. I don't watch everything, but I was sent this video from a good friend in Orlando. And she sent this to me. And I thought, I'm going to listen to the first couple of minutes and see if I like this guy. I I knew I was preaching on Nehemiah 2. I'm listening as I'm on the elliptical this morning. And he said, let me just tell you, out of Nehemiah 2, I'm like, okay, I'm listening. And he said that, which I was already going to preach. I was terrified, but I did it anyway. There's going to be moments, prepare, and now when you have that moment, you will still be afraid. Don't think that fear is going to just go away. You ask any new parent with a baby, they could prepare, prepare. They have that baby and you're like, oh, wait, you want me to take this home? It's terrifying, right? There's this moment of, I, I really couldn't do this. I have walked through things in ministry, in my life, that I've told the Lord, I do not have the character for this. And he has told me, I do, let's go. I have gone into situations that I'm thinking, I don't know, but I, I, I trust you. Sometimes there is a reason that I believe in fasting and praying and living a lifestyle of fasting and praying. And some of you are like, whoa, Miss Jenny, we're doing the 21 days and I'm giving up social media. That's enough. That's fine. You start where you're starting. I have become a person that lives a lifestyle of fasting and praying because it's biblical. It's what Jesus said. He said, when I go away, there's going to be the, there, they, will, they will pray then. They will fast then, he said about his disciples. Jesus said that. 
But I find when I'm praying and fasting, I don't know what God has for me, but I will walk into a scene ready for deliverance. I will walk into something ready to pray. And that doesn't mean I had any understanding about what was coming. But I had been fasting. I had been praying for people to be touched. I don't always know what's going on. But can I tell you, God wants us to pray and prepare, not in this just one-time thing like Nehemiah that we're hearing about. The reality is he was a praying man. But finally, what I believe when he was a praying man and he found this out, God was saying, this whole preparation that you've been doing, I've been preparing. Now it's going to go deep into preparation because if some things you don't pray and fast about, your flesh is going to be too strong and pull you back instead of being pulled by God. We have to be, these cords, I hope I don't trip. So, okay, so then it says, Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer, what did he do? With a prayer to the God of heaven. He didn't just go, well, let me tell you. He still prayed. You don't have to, he didn't look at the king and say, I need to pray right now. He just whispered a prayer. The king had no idea. I have been in doctor's appointments. I remember when our oldest was going through something, and they, she, was a, she was a newborn, and she had had a cleft lip and palate. She was born with it. It was a severe cleft lip and palate. They're telling me she's going to have this, 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 and this. And I'm 23 years old, living in Atlanta. I didn't know anything. I'd never heard of this, never had a surgery. I had my tonsils out. But I, like, I didn't know any of this, and I'm, this is, there's no cell phones, there's no Google. I'm just listening to this plastic surgeon, this head surgeon, and he's telling me, and she would probably have this, and she'll probably have this. And as he's telling me what my child will have, I remember holding her and speaking in my mind, like saying to God, in the name of Jesus, she will not. And I'm looking at him, and I'm not being rude, but I'm rebuking everything that he's saying. She will not be able to talk. The reality is she'll probably have tubes in her ears before she's two. She'll have chronic ear infections. She'll never be able to use a straw. All these things. It was like so, I'm like, no. But I didn't look at him and say, no, I'm talking to the God in heaven. And I will tell you, Savannah used a straw. She was talking so well. She's never had tubes in her ears. She never had one day of speech therapy. And she was evaluated five times. I remember when that same doctor called her up a couple, like when she was like two or something, and he called, and um, he and I were talking on the phone about some update of something, and he hears Savannah in the back, and he goes, who's that? And I said, Savannah. He goes, no. I go, do you want to talk to her? And he talked to her, and I said, and guess what? She uses a straw, and she's never had tubes in her. He goes, I've never seen anything like it. And we still had to walk through surgeries. She had to endure surgeries, but can I tell you, When I prayed and I stood in the gap, I know that I know God heard. There's going to be moments that the only thing you can do is is pray. It's enough. It's enough. You may not see the whole picture, but God is writing your story. And when you can't know anything and you don't know what to say, don't get into debates with people. Even if you're talking to the king at that moment, you pray to God. Amen? The king with the... um, And with a prayer to God in heaven, I replied, if it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, 
your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Now, if that time, if that moment would have happened, the initial time that Nia found out four months ago, the next part would not have happened. You're going to see what the preparation happened. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I will be gone, the king agreed to my request. Now listen to this, what Nehemiah said, the boldness. I also said to the king, if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. He's basically asking the king not only to let me go, but I need you to give me people and soldiers to go there and fund the whole project of a land that you don't basically care about and you just want them as slaves. It's audacious. It's crazy. And he's talking to them and he said, it will build the temple walls, the city walls, and a house for myself. And the king granted these requests. Because, why? Why did he say that? Because he was smooth talking, because he was appropriate with his words? No, because Nehemiah knew the gracious hand of God was on me. He was prepared. Say that with me, prepared. Even though he was prepared, prayed up and fasted, he was still terrified, but he did it anyway. We often need the pause and don't realize it. We are rarely ready when we feel it, and he knows when we are. So, number four, let God use the pause to purify our plan and purpose. Let God use the pause to purify our plan and purpose, okay? As you build your future, this is important. As you build your future, make sure it's something you want to live in. As you build your future, make sure it's something God wants to live in. Some of you are thinking, well, it just doesn't matter. It does matter. And you're building your future now. Nehemiah 2, 16 through 20, the city officials did not know I'd been there, so I'm going to just kind of skip ahead real quick. So just look at me. So basically, he goes around, and he, and he, he comes in kind of in the middle of the night or early morning, and he, they don't know that he's there. There's no Twitter. There's no emails. They don't have a clue that he's coming. But he goes, and he inspects all of that's around that. He walks around, and he's looking, and he's seeing rubble, and he's seeing the gates are burned, and he's seeing basically complete disaster. And it says but in 17, but now I said to them, because he's telling them, hey, I'm on assignment. And now we need to take care of this. You, have very, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem, what did he say? We. He didn't say, I'm here to fix it. We are in. He made himself a part of it. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. Yay, everything's great. They're doing the work. Not even a paragraph later, the next sentence. Then Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab heard of our plan. They scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? And then this verse, I replied, the God of heaven will help 
us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall, but you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. Let me just tell you, when you know your purpose and plan have been purified, you have great confidence in God and your calling. When you've been purified, when your calling has been purified, when you've walked through it, when God has told you, when you've had people check your heart, when the word has checked your heart, when you've gone in prayer, when you're not just going in zeal or in, in this fervor, you are going in the name of God with the favor of God on you, you will have confidence to take down your enemies. You will have confidence that you don't have in the natural. Amen? Amen? So we're going to go through these points. Pay attention to the poll. Can you read? Let's read these together. Pay attention to the poll. God often works through our heart being pulled. Pray through the polling. Prepare in the pause and let God use the pause to purify our plan and purpose. So I want everyone to just close your eyes. Have you received something tonight? So we're going to just close our eyes real quick. Okay, we're going to pray. God, we need you, and we ask that you would help us, help us, God, to learn and to grow and to know where we're at. God, to seek you and to be pulled in our heart, but to guard our heart. Wherever we're at in this timeline, kind of of Nehemiah's, just that, that short part of his life, God, that, that mattered forever, we ask that you would Help us to grow in that, to gain wisdom in that, but not just to look at it through what he did, but God, to look at it through what you want to do in us and how we can understand. So God, we just ask that you would help us, not just to succeed in life, but God, that our heart would be guarded, purified, and pulled by you, and that we would prepare and that in any pause and in every pause, because there'll be many different pauses in our life, that we will understand that you are purifying us, you're speaking to us, and that it's not about us, it's about what you want to do for eternity on this earth. And we ask just like Nehemiah's life, it might have seemed short, it might have seemed like he was just sitting in front of the king, hearing stories about a land he didn't care about, but you placed him there. And God, let us be faithful in the places that you've placed us. Let us be praying and let us be on fire for you. We ask that we wouldn't go do this alone, but we would grow in you. And we would hear your voice and we would encourage each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what we're going to do is, um, if you are new to the Lord, if you're new to the Lord and you're, you haven't been baptized in water, we're going to be baptizing um, at the church. We will have baptisms the first Sunday of February, which is, I don't know the date of that. I want to look at that really quick. Does anybody know what that date is? Okay, the 5th. So we'll be baptizing on the 5th. We will not be baptizing outside, so you don't have to worry. It will be inside. If you haven't done that yet, if you haven't made that statement of faith, I love it when people raise their hand and say, I want to accept the Lord. I'm very excited about that. But I will tell you, when you get baptized in water, it's like putting a ring on it in front of everyone. It's like telling everybody, say, hey, I'm all in, and Jesus is my 
Savior, and he's my Lord. Now, there's a story that I want to just tag on right now. There's a story in the New Testament where Jesus gives us this amazing story, and it's a, it's a um, parable about people that basically were doing all kinds of great things for God. They were healing the sick. They were feeding the hungry, clothing the naked. And, and God wanted to reward them, but some of them were doing it, and they didn't know the Lord, and he didn't know them. And it's important in all that you're doing that God knows you. So when we're talking about these words like abide and we're encouraging you, that's a big kind of, maybe it's not a new word, I know, but it's just where we get to know God, but God gets to know us. And when we are known by God, he won't look at us and go, I never knew you. It's not just being busy. It's not just looking right. It's also about being with him and that he knows us, right? Have you ever been around someone that never opens up? They just kind of keep closed or they just always give your best? You know, we're more authentic than that. We want to be with him and we want to be with each other. But I will tell you, as someone knows God and how open they are, I have found the more open they are with God, the more open they are with people, with Christians. It should be able to help them. And maybe you've been burned. Maybe you've been hurt. I'm so sorry. There's people that shouldn't do those things, and it's wrong. I don't even know what it is. I'm just, I've, I've seen it. I've been in ministry for 30 years. I understand, and it hurts. But just like you've been hurt in community, you only get healed in community. And maybe your family has caused you some hurt. Maybe your pain or your, let me just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but I want you to know God wants you to heal now and take this season of your young adult years to heal now, to prepare. Don't just go, I'm just, I'm going to bear through it. No, use this season of your life to prepare. Get in good relationships. Get around other families that are healthy. If your family's not, you can't help what you were given. But don't let an unhealthy family come from you. But that's not going to come just because you don't want it to come. You have to literally prepare. And that matters. So we're here for you. We want to help you, whatever that looks like, but be diligent. Okay. We want to be with you. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray. If you've never accepted the Lord and you're saying, or you've been away from him, I want you to come to me. Instead of going to the small group, you can come to me. I'm going to pray for you. And then, but the, the rest of you, I want you to find your small group. If you don't have a small group, I want the small group leaders to, to kind of get up. And if you don't have a small group, um, we're going to, you can, come to one of us and we'll figure it out. So we have two guys groups, three guys groups, I guess. So yeah, so the guys, if you want to, so Cole's groups will be over here, Ben, and um, you, you can be over here. Anyway, just everybody get up, small groups, you can go find your place. If you don't know where to go, you can come to me or Kelly and we'll help you. I love you. And I want you to talk.